Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. In each episode, we speak with senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring broad understanding to complex topic areas and shine a light on the most pressing sustainability issues facing business and marketing, all designed to help marketers create sustainable futures for brands and business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Kantar's Sustainable Futures webinar, where every two weeks we explore the impact of social and environmental issues on the world of business and brands. We do this with guests from industry, finance, academia, social business, and NGOs. My name is Jonathan Hall, and I'm managing partner of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation Practice. Now, Kantar is a world-leading data analytics and consulting business, and the Sustainable Transformation Practice works at the intersection of brands, people, and sustainability. Now, today, I'm delighted and privileged to have with me Jax Davey, who is a Forbes 30, under 30 honoree, an award-winning entrepreneur and the CEO of creative agency Nuevo. Welcome, Jack. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, it's um, an amazing story you're going to be telling us today. So I'm really looking forward to, um, to re-hearing all about it. So why don't we start there, Jax? Could you just talk through the, um, well, introduce yourself and Nuevo, and then we can maybe dive into the journey. But yeah, so I'm, I'm Jax, founder and CEO of Nuevo, a purpose-driven creative agency. We started around three years ago uh, and we're up to about 20 people now. And our whole aim is to work with global brands to reduce the carbon footprint of their advertising and make it as positively impactful as possible as we go along that route. That, that sort of description belies the, the whole story that you, you've been on, Jax, and the amazing work that you're doing. So why don't we just start at the beginning? And what, could you talk us through the journey you've been on and the genesis of the idea the initial tools that you started to develop and, and then maybe that gradual, you know, step way to, to the sale to Berkshire House. Yeah, so it's quite a, a weird entrance into the industry, really. So at 17, I, I left school uh, and for some reason, I just wanted to do something, something testing and something hard. And at that time, I saw the advert come on the TV, which was 99.9 need not apply for the Royal Marines. Uh, and I was, set, I was set on, I wanted to go and try it uh, and see how far I could get along the course. Um, and at that point, to be honest, I didn't think I'd pass it. I just think I'd learn a lot about myself along the way. Turned up for the course at 17, uh, went through eight months as an original, passed commando training, and then got drafted to 40 commando Royal Marines. Uh, spent two years there as lead commando, which meant that we were on quick readiness. Um, so we'd deploy it kind of, um, yeah, if it's something went off, we're the first group to go, basically. Spent four, five months in the Middle East, uh, Albania mountains and multiple different places over them two years, then got drafted to 4-2 Commando in Plymouth, um, and then got drafted to Hamworthy in Poole. Um, and that's where, for the first time, I did evasive driving, close protection surveillance courses. And it was, uh, it was there that I picked up the camera for the first time on the surveillance course and, and fell in love with photography. Uh, started shooting at weekends, evenings, um, any holidays, pick up cameras and shoot. Uh, started building like a local portfolio of brands I'd shoot for. And it got to a point where I had a room full of freebies that I was getting for these brands and decided to say I need to charge for my time. Uh, they said yes. And that is where the first kind of idea came to say, right, I'm going to go leave the military at 23 uh, and start my own kind of creative agency photography company and see how it goes. It's amazing. Well, I mean, phenomenal 
story from from leaving school um but then the idea that you came out of the marines and and started to pick up photography and then you decided to reapply yourself to a completely new industry it's an incredibly brave decision i, I think it was when i look back on why why i was attracted to it i think because the military is so regimented you're, you're told where to be at what time and everything's pretty pre-arranged for you if you're going somewhere the coach pulls up at that time you get on a flight at that time you don't have to worry about anything you just worry about doing your job and then bringing photography into it and shooting for local brands i had creative freedom i could shoot what i wanted i could do what i wanted i could look at it from different angles and it was it became a really really a big passion piece of my life because i just had so much flexibility um and that's contrasted with the military background it was a yeah it was, it was a real fun time so so where did it go from there so i started building what we called well what was called rolling rogues um and the rolling rogues name came from a group of marines used to ride around on these harley davidson and these bobber motorbikes and we called ourselves just to wind up our girlfriends we called ourselves the rolling rogues um so when i needed a name for the agency uh it was like carved into the back of my number plate and we just decided to go with that and we actually found a niche over the next two years that with our background and skill sets, we were really, really good at getting into hard, hostile, remote locations with a really lean film crew to capture content. And we actually started working with people like Jotner, and we were like uh, wingsuiting down the Eiger. Uh, we were climbing Commando Ridge in Cornwall. We were out on boats all the time. It was just, we are up on Snowdon. We are like sideways snow filming for different brands. And then we started getting TV commercials for Garmin, for example. So it started getting into much bigger projects, uh, which, which, was, which was great. We we're growing at a good rate. And then we won a contract with a, a discrete military unit, a specialist unit, uh, which was the first time they, they ever really trusted an external agency. And uh, that became quite valuable to some people, um, more kind of like Birch Hathaway group for that network. So I got uh, approached and sold the agency two years after launching it into the Birch Hathaway group. Wow. And could you just talk a bit more about... Um the the idea of going to difficult to access places and and how you found that niche and and what particular sort of you know tools and skills that you felt were you know particularly important so we pulled in people like military planners for example where we would basically walk on short lead times and say right we need to be in country at this time we've only got a four or five man team and we need to go and capture this content for the client so we were used to carrying all our kit um individually so whereas a normal set would have kind of 30 or 20 to 30 people um we would really be able to do it in about four or five people um the logistics and the way we planned things um was done down to like the minute which would save save brands a lot of time um and money really on on logistics and messing around on sets and when we started pushing into the industry we really learned how much wastage there was in there um and it makes sense now because a lot of agencies will charge per head so they want more and more people on set uh, and we were going against that, really, saying, actually, no, we just run lean teams and we get into into hard locations. So it was, it was super interesting because every other week we're flying into mountainous terrain or wherever it was, uh, shooting for a great brand. Amazing. And uh, when we've spoken before, you've talked about um, VR tools and you talked there about um, mapping as well. Can you just um, tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so when I went into Berkshire Hathaway, um, it was just going to be a sale to Berkshire Hathaway. And then I said, why did you want that network? They said, we want to sell technology into that network. Uh, when I looked at the technology, it was very much based around kind of um, weapon systems, like gaming weapon systems. And I just said, that that won't land with the, with the soldiers I've worked with. It's like training up a, 
world-class tennis player before they walk on center court on a week. Like they're going to want to train with what they're going to use on the day. So we are highlighted. I didn't think it would work. And I think there's a massive scope though to um, use technology to, to make to make operational planning a lot better because uh, it was still done like World War II style where it was done on Assetek ma- mapping and you would just overlap all the maps. Uh, so then I actually got offered a job as chief operating officer uh, within the group, uh, heading up a tech team that looked at two different uh, bits of uh, capability. One was a virtual reality mission planning tool where we took open source map data, we punched it into a gaming engine, which gave the soldiers the ability to walk around a landscape in virtual reality before they deployed there. And they could mark buildings, targets, drop zones, helicopter landing sites. They could actually walk through the whole thing. And then that could be recorded and given to politicians or whoever it is to sign off on jobs. So there's incredible capability that we used open source map data, so NASA imagery and things to do that. Um, but frustratingly, with tech teams, like in the creative world in film, everything can happen so quick. But when you're building technology, it was like, okay, that's great. And that bit of code is going to take eight months to build. I was like, eight months? So it's a very slow process to get these these up and running. Uh, and then the other thing we explored was a um, virtual reality stress inoculation. So you put them in virtual reality and you bring in different layers of stress, where it's sound, noise, smell, um, and you see how their bodies cope. And then we came up with ways that we could reduce them stress levels. So when they land in theatre and all this kind of stuff starts happening, they know how to control it and how to get back into a state where they make better decisions quicker. And I think, you know, you've described to me how in doing all of this work, the, the purpose light went on. Could you, could you just unpack that? Yeah, so I guess I've always had purpose ingrained in whatever I wanted to do because that's you don't join the Marines for the money, right? You don't join for the safety. You don't join for the time off. So there's always something that I think I was chasing where I was like, I want to feel something. I want to feel like I'm part of something. So that was shown really why I joined the Marines and, and why you go to unit. Uh, and then in the the rogues, um, it was very much we were there to service veteran brands and we we're employing a lot of veterans. So it was, a again, that had a purpose to it. And then the Berkshire Hathaway piece, I was actually designing technology that if it got in to the services, then it'd actually save lives of the people I worked with. So it didn't, it didn't feel like work. Yeah, there's PL sheets and everything you had to had to abide by, but it felt so much more than that. It was more the, the passion of it. Uh, and that's where I kind of felt I got to a point where I was back on military camps pitching to colonels and majors and things. And I was like, hang on, I left this world to go into the creative world and now I'm back on military camps every day. So that was when I said, right, I wanna I wanna start something new. I want to go again, but it needs to be completely built on foundations of a real, genuine, true purpose. And what impact has that had on on the business since then? You know, what what did that mean in terms of the the pathway that you took subsequently? It meant that we had to relook at everything we did. It, it meant that we had to take the hard decision to lose money at some points, uh, or not take the easy jobs. Or, um, but then actually, uh, you get through kind of six months or twelve months of hardship trying to do that and approaching it from a different angle. But what I found is it it started. Um, started being able to that kind of vision and mission and the way we were going about business we were able to recruit the most incredible people uh the people that wanted to challenge the way things are done and and the people that wanted to be part of that kind of innovation driven journey so it's actually helped us a lot longer term or even though it was painful at the start trying to do it with a group of three or four of us uh, with not that much industry experience trying to say right how do we how do we change the way this industry works so a real impact in terms of of 
talent recruitment and retention, it sounds like. And I found that like progressive CMOs and marketeers would take a chance on us when they wouldn't normally do it without the case studies and experience because they believed in our vision and what we were trying to do. Um, so I think it, it definitely helped win clients as well in those early days. And and how about, you know, the next stage of evolution? Talk, talk to us about that. So we, we basically started with, right, we're just going to go production only. And we're going to kind of break down everything into like energy we use on sets, kind of the transport we have on sets, locations. We started actually planning all our locations and shoots in virtual reality. Um, and using kind of a few military systems we had used to work out weather windows, where the sun's going to be at what time, scraping social media data uh, to see what it looked like on the ground. Um, and when we started kind of pulling all that together, uh, we were like, okay, we can really have an impact here if we absolutely analyze the logistics. And then quite quickly, as we grew and said, actually, where do we want to be in the world? What positive impact do we want to be? We realized we had to be a little bit more upstream. So we brought in a few different services. Uh, which is creative and strategy alongside the production. Um, and then we've got great people um, that we've kind of poached from top London agencies <laughs> to come and run that part of the ship to really dive into that. So if you look at our productions, we have kind of progressive productions and we have a framework we kind of follow um, through everything we do to make sure we're analysing every bit. And then Seb's heading up creativity with conscious creativity and he's building frameworks out so he approaches every brief differently. And then same with our strategy department as well. And then that's kind of grown now um, over the last year or so to a point where we've just launched two products um, alongside the three services that we have. Um, so talk to us about the products. So the products, we, we found a bit of a gap where there was a siloed discussion going on um, with incredibly intelligent people knowing that there's a problem in this industry. Um, and it was a lot of white papers and it was a lot of big panel discussions with a lot of big words, uh, and which is which is great right there, leading the forefront of all the data and um, everything that backs up what we're doing. But then there was this other kind of bit, a communication gap, if you like, where creatives and marketers on the ground weren't digesting that or understanding how that fits into their day-to-day. So we designed New Evo 360, which is about taking, we have 26 different leads of the best people in the industry talking about the issues in our industry. Um, we take that in, we kind of absorb it, understand it, and then we go, how do we put this into a creative language? And then we basically do these 12 modules over, over 12 months with brands where the CMO can then upskill, train, and inspire their whole marketing department to change for the better. Um, and what it is, it would be like a kind of benchmarking thing of going, this is about brain print, or this is about um, sustainable marketing, or this is like every kind of region will have like a benchmarking bit where it gives you the, the foundational knowledge. And then it will have, and this is how it could turn up in your day to day. And it makes it really easy to adopt. It's like five-minute podcast, five-minute panel, quick roundup video. Uh, and it's there to really inspire and motivate a whole marketing team at any level. And, and just that idea of in, inspiring marketing teams and changing to the better and sustainable marketing, Jax, just um, help us understand a bit more of it, you know, how, how you've managed to capture all of that expertise and experience uh, from the military and then you know, VR and the application into the creative industries and with a sustainable lens. So it's interesting. When you look at the modules in the 360 program, it is not all near Evo. We're, we're there kind of picking the best people to come in. Uh, but for example, I, I, do you know Paul Randall? Um, yeah, for Paul, sure. Yeah, Paul, Paul Randall will be doing one of the um, 
one of the phases in the program. So what we've really tried to do is pick the best people at the forefront of this change and then pull them into the right parts. To So it's a global voice and it's a collaborative project that comes together and gives real value. Um, but I guess that, that was the biggest thing I took from it was find the best people in this space and collaborate rather than kind of keeping it as our own thing. Like this needs to be a collaborative project that to get the reach we really want to get with this program. Uh, and then the other thing we do is the comms check, which has really come from it came from demand, really, from the clients we are working with. They were going, okay, you support us in services, but could you just have a little look at what we're doing over here with our other marketing areas? Um, so we came up with a comms check where we actually analyze it and give them a traffic-like system. Red is, well, that's pretty bad. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and amber, then obviously green going, that's great. Um, and then we suggest and kind of help them come up with better ways to do it to reduce their overall carbon footprint throughout the year. How would you sum up then how Nuevo has evolved in terms of vision what you offer but also your people because i think you've been on um a, a quite a transformative journey yeah so i think it's weird. the visions always stayed the same it was like we want to be a force for good in the advertising industry but we were quite naive to think that just production alone could do that uh so the vision stayed the same that we want to be that force for good but actually, we've we've added these layers to help us integrate more, be upstream, change the mindsets of marketeers. And then the people that's recruited and brought in is just, yeah, it, that's the biggest thing I'm proud of. You sit around a table with the best minds and you're like, wow, I know nothing. Uh, and so now they're helping really pull this together uh, and make sure we're delivering real value to the industry. If we had to um, summarize the key learnings that you've, uh, that you've had on this amazing journey that you'd want to share with listeners, what would they be? Uh, to just jump in, I think, I think sustainability is a scary space um, where there's a lot of people that know a lot more than you. And that can kind of encourage you to sit on the, on the sidelines and just watch. Um, and I think we need more people taking action. And as long as it's the action with the right um, kind of vision behind it, the real reasons of why you want to be that part of that change, um, then I think it's good to just get stuck in and, and learn on your way and be open and honest about where you are. Uh, I think we could have we could have sat there for years saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. But we just said, look, let's go and let's be willing to fail in front of people. Um, and actually what that did was it, it brought this spirit to the team where we weren't scared to fail. So we would actually be more hungry for innovation and change and we'd try new things a lot quicker than what I think other agencies would. Uh, so I think that was the biggest learning. Like, don't be scared to just jump in and go for it. Uh, and especially then this industry is scary, but it's also really collaborative. There's been a lot of people that I've reached out to and said, I'm struggling with this, or I don't have a clue what I'm doing with this. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And the help has been immense. People are really open to just jumping on a call and, and giving you their kind of their thoughts on it and, and a few ideas, which is great. Um, which I think, I think, I think we need that. I think we need that kind of um, collaborative mindset in this industry to get the change we, we all want to see. And do you find, that um that clients are really looking for the sustainability purpose-led approach that you you have jacks because obviously um you know most mainstream agencies you know don't purely do sustainable uh, creative work absolutely like three years ago we'd say they I don't want to say a tick box uh, exercise but it was it was more they were like Okay, let's just let's just try as long as it doesn't take away from the creative or the or the output at the end of it. Let's just get you involved and and then you actually start doing that. And they they become more and more obsessed with it when you start showing the impact reports at the end of every project. They start going, This is really interesting. It doesn't have to 
cost loads more. It's actually saving us money because you're attacking the inefficiencies of the of the industry. And you're like, exactly. And when they see it actually turning up and how it works, they get behind it more and more. So if you look at our first couple of clients, it was very just production only, one or two day shoots. And now it's gone into two or three of our main clients have taken 360 forward because uh, they want to go, actually, we want to take this across the whole the whole marketing team. So it's definitely becoming a lot kind of a longer term um, projects for these CMOs and marketers that we work with. Uh, but then we're just seeing, we can't believe how many CMOs and brands and things are looking for that that purpose partner now that does take into consideration sustainability. Are there any, um, any examples of clients that you could that you could give, I mean, obviously, you know, don't want to huge share any confidential uh, information, but, you know, in terms of reduction in carbon footprint or what have you. Yeah, so Canada Goose is great because they, Penny is so on board um, with kind of what we're trying to do in the industry. Um, listens to it, they're taking on the 360 program, which is incredible to upskill their whole marketing team. Um, and we've reduced their carbon footprint of their productions a lot over the years. Uh, I think there was something like a 20% reduction in actual people on set, um, which was great. Um, and then we're working on a, a few briefs at the moment for Lush, which is they've been at the, the front of sustainability for the last 20, 25 years. Um, so it's great what we're, what we're able to do with them. But we're actually over, we, we've kind of launched this panel event where we add value to the industry. And we're going to start on those kind of communicating and talking about some of the projects we've done and then release the stats of that. Uh, but that, that's something we've been working on the last couple of months, actually going, OK, because a lot of people, when they're on the sustainability journey, they don't want to talk about it until they've got it all figured out. So we're really trying to encourage our clients, like, like release the stats, like make it open, make it honest. And let's set a new president in the industry that we actually talk about the carbon footprint of every project we do. So we're just trying to work with our clients at the moment to then say, right, let's release it to the world and, and everyone can follow the journey. And what stops them from doing that, do you think? Are they worried about greenwashing and... I, I think there's a massive fear um, of getting called out for greenwashing because of how damaging it is for the brand. So we have to be very careful with kind of they want it backed up and backed up and backed up. So then you go for like, OK, this is what we can say. And then they go, oh, it doesn't look that great yet. Maybe should we wait? Should it? It's like, no, no, no. Majority of the people just want to see people on the right journey rather than at the final destination. Um, and that's something we've it's just kind of ongoing uh, discussions uh, with them as we go, we're just going like, ready to communicate again, ready to communicate again. And they are coming around to it and they are wanting to. Um, but yeah, I think it's something they're always going to be a little bit nervous of. <laughs> it's a common theme, isn't it? I think we're, we're seeing that now. There's a real uh, fear of greenwashing amongst our client base. But then also that you get the, the sort of green hushing phenomenon that people are so petrified of raising their heads above the parapet that actually they don't say anything. And, you know, what we're saying to them is actually people want to be engaged with your journey. They realize that, you know, nobody's perfect. Actually, it's much better to be transparent and authentic about that journey you're on. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you look at some of the, the projects we've done for Ernest Young, for example, we, we actually pulled it together with a team of five, I think it was. We had two electric vehicles the whole time. We stayed in sustainable hotels. We reduced the amount of waste in all our shoots by dialing up the actual brief. But when the actual campaign went out, there was no mention of any of that. And I was like, there's an opportunity there to actually connect to more consumers to talk about the thought that has gone into the actually creating this campaign. Super interesting, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if you know an organization called Purpose Disruptors. And yeah, and they're, you know, one of their pillars is around the notion of change the brief. And it, and it sounds like that's something that you, you, know, you do naturally. Jeff. Yeah, it's definitely something that... Um, 
in our kind of 10 point process, it was like, right, how do we start with the end in mind? How do we say, if this is successful, this campaign, what impact is that going to have on the world? Um, and then we actually bring sustainability to the very forefront of the brief. We go, right, that's your KPIs. That's the audience you want to kind of win by this campaign. There's the sales you want to win. But where's the sustainability bit? Um, so then we can actually start working with them up front. And then everyone's aligned because I've always said that creatives are some of the most innovative people and, and, and the best problem solvers I've ever met. So when you actually put it at the forefront of the brief and they buy into it, it's, it's incredible how quickly solutions can come up throughout the process. So this podcast is, is called Sustainable Futures. Um, where next for Nuevo and, and how do you see uh, your role in creating systems? I want to do more collaborations, um, more kind of partner and global networks so we can all align on what we're trying to do. Um, more and more people to the team, uh, more hands to the deck, uh, and just keep keep understanding the research, the incredible research that has been done out there, um, and then kind of consuming that and putting it in a way that we go, okay, how can we build solutions to support this and change that? Um, so yeah, the be some of the best problem solvers out there is our aim <laughs> brilliant well uh Jax, it's uh it's been a pleasure and a privilege to talk you've uh, it's an amazing journey you've been on and uh thanks so much for joining me today and you know fabulous work right at the forefront of of creative uh creative agencies so thank you and and good luck for the next stage in the journey thank you very much thank you for your time you've been listening to sustainable futures a podcast from Kantar. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.